Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've come into one of the hardest texts in the world for me to preach upon. Jesus says, take my yoke for it is easy. And I think, hey, none of this easy. The Christian life is not easy. It doesn't seem to be getting easier. Not for me anyway. What God has joined together, let no man rent asunder. Unless, of course, you choose otherwise. And then I'm left standing going, well, what am I going to do about that? You shall not steal. You shall not covet things that belong to other people or other people who belong to other people. You shall not belong to other people. You shall not murder. But I tell you, if a brother hates his brother in his heart, he's already committed murder against him. I struggle with that one. Personally, I hope they defund the cops, to tell you the truth. I think some of these punks with their spray cans need a spanking. I know a couple of people would be willing to do it. Sometimes I look at the TV and go, man, if we just had a couple of dudes with canes out there, we could fix all this stuff straight up. Their potty mouths need a spanking, breaking windows and stealing shoes and burning down post office. What in the world serves anybody's purpose by burning somebody else's mail? It's just dumb. We went to extraordinary lengths to take a generation and protect them from bullying. And we ended up raising a generation of bullies. And they don't see it. Don't slander anybody. Don't get me wrong. They'll slander you. I promise you. They will slander you. But you can't do anything about it. No lies. No half-truths. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. No explanations. You don't need to give an explanation. They're not going to wait for you to give an explanation. They're not going to have a follow-up question. You say yes or you say no and you leave it at that. And they will murder you behind your back. Always behind your back, never to you. We swim in a culture that is maritally phobic. Remember our sermon from a couple of weeks ago, phobeo? They are phobeo. They are irrationally fearful of the institution of marriage. They're sitting around going, I hope I can find the right person to marry when it's at the exact right time later on in my life, like 20 years down the line. Your great-great-grandparents got married at 16. They didn't know each other for about 16 months, and they were married for 85 years. You know why they did that? Because they just thought, I just need one, and I'll just make it work with that one, and it'll be fine. Our culture is systemically adulterous. And we swim in this water. Everybody wants to play house. Nobody wants to be a house. They just want to play it. I know this guy. And I have to, I have to preface this. I barely know this guy. I don't know him all that well. He's not a member of the church. Y'all don't know him. One or two of you might know him from somewhere else. Somerville's a small town. He pays child support to five different women for five different children. Every time I talk to him, he complains about all of his problems. 
Guess who is the root of all of his problems? His ex-wives. By the way, only three of them are ex-wives. He just lumps them all together. There's not a problem that he has in his life. Not one problem in his life has anything to do with trying to raise five children in five different households with five different ex-wives. Everything is their problem. And I think to myself, man, being a father is hard enough. We'll play the father card. All of you mothers, give me a second. Being a father is hard enough when you do it with one wife who loves and adores you and supports you from sunup to sundown. I can't imagine how you try to do it with five who hate you. It's five different women who you've broken all five of their hearts. And my point therein is now... Try to be a child in that thing. What are the chances of growing up to be normal? Give me a rest. Or better yet, give me a break. Come unto me, you, who are weary and heavy laden. Forgive me for my Old Testament translation. I'll do that all morning. For those who are labored and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. I mean, labor I get. I mean, I get work. I like work. I go to work. I get up. I go to work. God put, God, God put Adam in the Garden of Eden specifically so that he could care for the garden. That was part of his job. Even in paradise, we had jobs as gardeners. Ooh. I'm sure it was easier back then. You know, the, wor- the, the ground wasn't actually working against you at the time. Work is part of the nature of our lives. Even before the fall, work was part of our lives, right? We work the ground. We work in our jobs. We work at school. We work for our families. We work to take care of the house. And we work and we work and we work and we work and we work. And the work is never done. If it is done, maybe you can get in a couple of hours of baseball in a regular way. And even when the work's not done, we still then have to care for our friends and our families and our neighbors and our mothers and our children, not just in in our our nuclear family, but also our our family that'll live near and far. Our reach goes as far as the support for our missionaries in Ethiopia and China and the Dominican Republic. The work never stops. And it never should. Part of the Christian life. I am so sick of gay pride month. I can't even put it into words. The virtue signaling is just deplorable. You know what virtue signaling is? Virtue signaling is when you have a major American corporation and they take their logo and then they put a gay flag upon it, that rainbow flag that they use. And they're like, hey, gay people, we're with you. We, we're really, oh, you're the... No, they're not. They're not with you. They're just cowardly. They're afraid to be singled out like Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A. So they do this stupid little sign... They're like, hey, we're done. 
It's cowardly and it's a lie. It's a house of lies brought to you by the people who invented marketing. Come unto me, Jesus says, all who labor are on a heavy laden and I will give you rest. And boy, I could use a rest. I could use a rest from the virtue signaling. I could use a rest from the hypocrisy of our society. I could use a rest from the tepid, childish, pop Christianity that seems to be everywhere. We want Jesus to save us from our sins, but then we can't find but maybe two sins that we'd want to be saved from. The rest of them were like, these are off limits, Pastor. Don't talk about these. I don't want to hear about it. I'll go someplace else. And they do. We're working longer hours, harder hours, struggling at best to get ahead, to stay ahead. We've been working at loving our spouses, providing for our families, being the... Being the best moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles, the best that we possibly can. And it never seems to be enough, does it? Even our kids. Our kids are growing up in one of the most competitive worldviews that we've ever seen. They compete, with their, they compete with their siblings, except for Andy, who's the best kid in his house. They compete with their siblings. They compete with all of their classmates, trying to earn the approval of mom and dad. Even sometimes when mom and dad might even live in a completely different household. They're trying to compete for the affection of dad, and dad has a completely different family in some other household. How... How difficult must that be? When Jesus promises to give us rest, to give us rest from our work, he's not just talking about the physical or the emotional exhaustion that sort of comes with life in this society. He's not just talking about that. When Jesus promises to give us rest for those who are working and heavy laden, he's promising to give rest to those whose work has caused them to be burdened and not just burdened and not just burdened by a mountain of debt or burdened by the pile of regret that we heap upon ourselves day after day after day or the failure to achieve those goals that we held so dear to ourselves when we were younger. Jesus promises to give us rest and and he promises to those whose work has called them to be burdened in conscience. That's what it means to be heavy laden. To know. To know the work of the law that God has demanded of you. And then knowing that you failed to do it. At the same time, rectifying within your life that you know you don't have the ability to do it. Because it never ends. To know what the law of God requires of you as a husband and as a wife. 
to remember daily that you have not managed to do that. No matter how hard you've tried. Or no matter how much you've failed to try. Because there's a lot of failure that goes around too. There's a lot of failed to try. It's, it's just so much easier to be a child of this world than it is to be a child of God. It's just easier. Keep your head down. Drink the Kool-Aid. Throw up a flag every once in a while when they say, now's the time for your flag. You just grab it and go, okay, here you go. You know that the law of God demands of you as a father and a mother and you wonder every night. Or remember, as you put your children to bed, when and if your failures are going to catch up to you. Or better yet, when are your failures going to catch up to them? You know what the law demands of you as a child and your desire to do it, but day after day you think and you act without speaking, doing what you shouldn't do, and you wonder if your parents or your teachers eventually are going to be fed up with you, or maybe they're going to find you out, or maybe they're going to get caught, or maybe even if you get caught, maybe you don't even care. When they do catch you, you're like, nobody can judge me but God. I got news for you. You can say that judge not. But God is going to judge you. And even if you never get caught and nobody ever sees any of the darkened deeds that you've ever done in your entire life, that doesn't mean God didn't see them. That doesn't mean your accuser doesn't know it. And it doesn't mean that it won't burden your conscience. That's what heavy laden means. And even more to know. That the law of God demands of you because you know what the law of God demands. Even more you know that the law of God is good and wise and that he wrote these out for our benefit, for our good. That we might have a whole and a happy and a fulfilled life. And this demands are written upon your heart as a child and as a spouse and as a parent and as a citizen and as an employee and as an employer. And that's why you're heavy laden. That's why you're burdened in conscience because you know your sin and your sin is ever before you. Even if nobody ever bothers to bring it up, even if I never hit it in a sermon at any time. And I don't care how good you are and think that you're hiding it. Or how many times you've said unto yourself, nobody can judge me. I'm going to live my life for myself. This is why Jesus offers to give you rest. Because you need it. You know that your work falls short of the perfect will of God. Everybody's does. This is why your conscience is burdened. He promises to give you rest to those who know that their work is full of sin. Whose consciences are plagued by what they've done. They're plagued by what they've left undone. They're plagued with the fear of what they may have already fouled up. Just a stupid little story for you. Two weeks ago, I was on my walk. Because I'm trying to lose weight because I'm tired of my clothes not fitting right. 
The work is never done. So I'm taking my walk and I'm walking up a hill. All right, for those of you online, for what what qualifies as a hill of the low country, it's a lot of like flat, it goes, that's it. I'm laboring up this hill. Turning at the corner and coming down the hill is a cop car. I give him my big old white boy toothy smile. <laughs> he continues to drive down it. And then I can see it's a Dorchester County Sheriff. This big old black county sheriff in the car. And he's looking at me like this. I'm like, oops, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> now he's rolling his eyes at me. I'm like, I'm about to get tased. <laughs> I don't know. My point there with this stupid little story is that the pursuit of righteousness by those elected to pursue righteousness is heavy work. It's fraught with pitfalls. Of those that we've done and left undone, and didn't even think about it. Paul knew it. Paul writes in his lesson for us today, and he, he pours his soul out on this for us. I do not understand my own actions, he says. For I do the one things that I, for I do not do what I want to do, but at the same time I do the things that I hate. Now if I do what I don't want to do, I agree that the law is in me and the law is good. Paul knows what it's like. He knows what it is to live under the burden of the righteousness of life under a God who is just and holy and mighty and watching us 24 hours a day. And you, like Paul knew, try as he will, that he can never keep the law and never do it perfectly. He goes on and says, For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep doing. Paul clearly wants to obey the law of God. He clearly finds that day after day he can't do it, like you and like me. Until finally his conscience burdened by sin. He has no choice but to call out. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? And the worst part about it is that the more honest with yourself that you can be, the worse it gets. Which is why it's hard to get people to come to church. Because we're people of honesty here. I hope. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. This is the plea of a man who is burdened and heavy laden. To such a person, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. My hardest part with this text is always the same thing. I always want 
to, to, to latch on to and grab onto the word easy. But that's not the crux of Jesus' argument. His argument here is my. My yoke. Not your yoke. Your yoke is tough. Life of righteousness under the law in a society such as ours, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough, it's getting tougher, it ain't going to get easier. Well, it might be getting easier. Keep walling ourselves off from everybody, I guess it gets easier and easier, but at some point we're going to have to get back out into society. My yoke is easy. Jesus says, take my work and apply it to you. Take my work that I use to fulfill my father and your father's will. Take my work and you apply that yoke to you. Take my life as your life. And let it be credited unto you as righteousness. Not because you're righteous. But because he is. Take my yoke. It's given to you. It's easy. It's burden for you is light. It's given to you as a gift. It's free of charge. Thanks be unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says. Jesus gives us true rest. He gives us true peace of consciousness for those of us burdened by sin, for those of us who live under the terror of the weight of the law. He took all of that. He bore all of that. He did all of that. And he did it all for you and then gives it to you. This means that worship is not about doing more to please God. If that were the case, worship would simply be another burden. But who can pray without being distracted? Who can sing with the zeal of an angel? Who can ever even agree with everything a single pastor says week after week after week? Who can listen to me and I get distracted at least a little? I, mean, I get distracted and I'm the one talking. Worship is not another place for the law of God and its heavy-handed and high-handed demands. Worship is the place where you come and you bring your burdens and you lay them down. You slough off those piles of regret where you burn that sin that plagues your conscience. Come unto me, Jesus says. All who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To those of you who have been working hard, I will give you rest. To those whose conscience are heavy and burdened, I will give you rest. Jesus keeps his promise. Jesus gives you rest. When the law shows you your sin, it's Jesus that says, bear no mind. I will forgive you of your sins. I have made you my child in the waters of baptism. I have washed you clean from your sin. This work I did for you. Take it on yourselves. Apply it to yourselves. Remember that water that was baptized you with. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When you're burdened by sin, continue to battle. Jesus gives you rest 
of your mind, your body, and your soul, showing you that he died for your sins, and he gives you the strength to work and live every day, day after day, day after day, and when you lie down at night, say thanks be unto God, and rest in him. This is his gift to you. You will find us. In Jesus' name.